Welcome to the Not For Profit Podcast. My name is Matt Williams, your host, and I'm excited this week. We're talking to Ben Naitoko, Pastor Ben Naitoko from King's Church, Gold Coast. Pastor Ben was my campus pastor for a few years, and I've known Ben for over 15 years now. Today, Ben shares his knowledge on taking over a full-time role on being a full-time pastor, taking over a church. There's a couple of things we draw from this. The first one, we talk about values. We dive into the values of both the church and the senior pastor taking over. So how they align and making sure that they align and what can be done to if those values don't align and when those values do align, how can we change those values and make sure that the values that they both entities have are coming through the correct way. We also have a chat to Ben about his being an itinerant pastor or a freelance pastor going from church to church week to week then moving across to a full-time role and how that itinerant pastor role that he did for 18 years, how that helped him in becoming a full-time pastor. And we talked to him about the different sides of things, how they, how the things that he saw and did really helped him to be able to flex and adapt in situations under a full-time role. We talked to him about the money, about how it, uh, how it's different from you know, week to week to budgets and stuff like that. And then also what he has in his itinerary that he can use as being a full-time pastor. So awesome insight into that. And finally, we talked to Pastor Ben about branding and external perceptions. And it was really fascinating to dive into this and to get that from a, both sides of the story and both sides of the vision from Pastor Ben where he's seen the outside external perception and then how he's changed that and how what they've done in the branding side of things to to let people know that things have changed so to and he goes in and talks about you know getting that external confirmation out there that things have changed so without a further ado let's have a chat to pastor ben naitoko from king's church gold coast the not-for-profit podcast is brought to you by platinum audits for all your auditing needs if you need any audits done or you need any information, please contact Platinum Audits. Welcome, Ben Naitoko from King's Church, uh, Gold Coast and Brisbane. How are you going? Good, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks. Can you tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, where you're at, and and from there? Yeah, I'm a senior pastor of King's Church on the Gold Coast. Been married to Trish for nearly 20 years. Got three sons, uh, two in high school, one in primary school. And uh, been running the church since the oh, start of 2018. And uh, been in full-time ministry uh, for just on 20 years. That's a long time, mate. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And we've known each other now, I think, for 10 years. Yeah, I'll be more than that. Be closer to 15, I reckon. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So, so yeah, so for our listeners out there, just a bit of background. Ben was my senior uh, campus pastor for a while and, and pastor was part of my church. So that's how we know each other. And, uh, yeah, Ben's... Uh, agreed to come on and i really appreciate your time mate so no worries just to get us kicked off that it, 
adjusting from your itinerant pastor for 18 years, going from itinerant pastoring across to a full-time pastor at a campus uh, with multiple, you know, you run the King's Church as the school and the church. How did you adapt to that? What strategies did you use? Did you have to come at, come at it differently to your itinerant pastoring? Oh, it's very different from itinerant. Um, itinerant's basically, you know, you get to go and speak places and then you get to go home. So... Uh, but uh, when you're leading something, you don't, you, you can't abdicate the responsibility. So it's always with you. So, so it's very different. Um, when you're itinerant, your number one, one of the number one things is always trying to figure out how you're going to survive and make money. So, but when you're um, running a church, you tend to have a budget and you don't have to worry about that as much. So, um, so yeah. So it is very different. I, I would say itinerant was actually interestingly enough. Uh, Good preparation for what I'm doing now. So it was because having had wide exposure and seen a lot of different churches and a lot of different organisations, I did it was really good preparation. And I think that taking over a church when you're itinerant, you um, when I was itinerant, I got to see a lot of different churches. And when you take over a church, you have to have a level of flexibility because you're taking over something that's pre-existing. So, you, you know, I, I think having had experience seeing a lot of different churches helped me navigate a way forward to take it from where it is to navigate it into the future. And I would suspect you would have taken some of that itinerant stuff, like you said, the things you've seen, the do's and don'ts of what you see as an itinerant pastor to bring that. Did you bring both of those into this full-time position or is it more the do's than what we want to achieve? Yeah, definitely a bit of both. Like, so, you know, I, I saw some things on the road that I thought, oh, I don't think that would suit me. But then I've had many times in the last two years when we've needed to do something in our church, whether it be start a new program or solve some kind of issue where I can think back to something that I saw on the road and how people I knew solved that situation. So, so yeah, so it was, it was quite, you know, I didn't realise it at the time, but being on the road was great preparation for what I'm doing now. Oh, that's awesome. I'm glad I did that because my, that was one of my things when I saw that you took over. I went, oh, that's, I wonder if it has helped or not helped. And that's, that's great that it has. Yeah. Coming into a full-time position like taking over an existing church and you've got employees, team members in place, that sort of thing, is yeah. it hard as the boss? Because you're coming in over the top of everyone, basically. It, is it hard to adjust to that for, from your perspective and their perspective do you have you done anything differently to try and adapt to that like have you used a strategy to say oh you know i've got to see it from their side and and vice versa well i think that i i was well aware that coming in there were going to be some people that you know would want to come on the journey with us and somewhere it just wouldn't fit and so you know i i, I knew i knew that there would be some there would be probably be about 12 months where people in leadership positions would see whether they wanted to come on the journey with us. So I wasn't really coming, seeking to negotiate or compromise on the direction I wanted to go in, but I was willing to allow people time to decide whether they wanted to come forward with us. So, yeah, so anyone who tried to, you know, tried to change, you know, anyone, of, anyone who was an employee that tried to change, you know, the way I wanted to, to the direction I wanted to go in, I wasn't really willing to compromise, but but I was willing to let them, you know, express their thoughts and that sort of thing. Yeah. 
Yeah. And moving into that role, taking over as a as a senior passer and full time, you would have to have the vision and you'd have to have that in place. And I you know, I I know from experience you would have had that in place early on. God would have put it on your heart what to do, where to go. Is it hard to communicate that to a team that's already existing and, and has not, not clicks, but like has groups of people who are together and friendships and stuff like that? Is it hard to then come in with this new vision or was it a similar vision to what the church was? Um, so I, my first thing was because the church I took over was in quite a lot of trouble. So I didn't come in with a lot of vision because I more came in with just allowing people to get a feel for what we're like and values. So I think values was actually more important than anything else rather than vision. And and values is like glue. So you can have good people that you get along with okay, but if they've got different values, it, it tends to repel. So my biggest thing was basically to constantly communicate, let people get a feel for my values to see whether they would buy in or not. And I also inherently got wanted to get a temperature for the values of our church because I'm a firm believer that um, our church is 40 years old and so and so I believe that it's a combination of the mandate on the church and the mandate on the man and so taking on the church I knew there would be some things about it that I was to embrace and marry into um, and so uh, when you plant, you can plant it completely the way you want in every way. But uh, when you take something over, I feel like there is a level of responsibility for taking over what it is. And then um, there are other things that I can add to it that's my personal bent or so to speak. And so, um, so yeah, so I think that there was enough overlapping values for it to marry. I remember having someone tell me a number of years ago, very someone who I considered wise counsel when I told them that one day I want to take over a church, he said to me, write down your top six values and never take over a church that doesn't have four of them because he said it's not going to blend. And um, I, I agree with that completely, yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, that that's really good advice and really good points there on values because that, like you said, that's the glue, that's the, th- the sticking point that keeps everything together. Yeah, exactly. And so so there were some people, and even now it's been two years, there are some, some people still struggling with our values, but the other thing is it's attracted people who are attracted to it. So, so yeah, and I knew that that's probably going to keep bleeding out for a while, to be honest. Yeah. How long do you see that happening? Is it you, 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 Do you put a time frame on it, two years, five years, ten years? Because after sort of a, I would, I would suspect from my point of view, after three or four years, if you're not, aligned then you're probably not ever going to be yeah i would agree with that and you know with staff you can do it quicker yep obviously but church is primarily volunteers so that takes a little bit a little bit longer so so my i guess my main thing is to make sure that every leader in every position uh, represents those values that if if there are people that do not represent those values that they don't be in leadership positions and then that will that will sort itself out. I believe. Um, yeah. No, that's awesome. Do, does it is it the same values across both the church and the school? Is it is the same same principles, same values, same process? Uh, well, they're, they're two separate organisations, and so and so you know, church is the church, and the school is the school, and we're married together. So it's like 
two individual organisations resourcing each other and supporting each other. So, so there's so there's certainly some differences. I mean, in the school, not every employee goes to our church. We've got 450 employees. Uh, they don't all come to our church. Um, they go to other churches and and that sort of thing. So there is some difference, but really, you know, our board of the school are all members of our church and and actually the majority of uh, the top executive are members of our church. So so I think that, you know, that that's probably as good as you can get in terms of that. So, yeah. Yeah. For you uh, personally, was there any ad- adaptation you had to do to try with the school? Like, because that's a very different, that's a, like you said, it's a very different entity compared to a church. So is it, is, was there something you did to approach that or did you seek advice or anything like that? Uh, well, I don't, I, don't, I don't run the school per se. So I run the church, uh, but I don't run the school. We've got a principal who runs the school and our school has its own board. But there's overlap, so there's some members of the board that are also members of the church board, and all mem- all members of the school board are part of our church. So, in terms of the school, there's not a lot that I have to do or am responsible for. So, more what I do is partner with the school, and act, and you know, probably the most, if I do get hands on in any way, which is not much, act as like somewhat of a spiritual oversight on certain matters. But really, the school is, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty well off and running, you know, so, yeah. Yeah. That's oh, cool. It, it, it's interesting to see because, you know, the listeners know that I'm an auditor and I actually audit a, a church and a school and, and it's a very similar approach, but at the same time a little bit different as well. So it's very interesting to hear that side of it. Yeah, well, our, our school, you know, it's the largest independent school in Queensland and the largest Christian school in Australia. So... In some ways, it's evolved on beyond what some of the other Christian schools have become. So, um, so most of the Christian schools that are church, that were based at a local church, uh, a lot of those the senior pastors, chairman of both boards, and that sort of thing. But the reality is, like our school is so large that you know it's not ideal for the probably not ideal for the senior pastor to be, to be chairman of both boards because it could take away from the work of the church and that sort of thing. So uh, because it's just so big, um, just yep. so big, you know. It's one thing having a school of 500 students, but we've got over 3,000 with a third campus starting um, with building projects continuously, you know, capital works programs. It's just continuously ongoing. So, so it's just so much bigger than any other Christian school out there or what other Christian schools are operating in right now. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't realise it was that big, but when you said there's 450 staff, I went, okay, that's that's a decent sized school. Yeah, that'll be over 500 staff next year. Wow, that's crazy. So, as part of that, I know you guys have just launched into Logan. How, how have you gone about that? How have you approached that? Because a lot of churches out there are, are on that cusp of do we go to another campus? Do we? How do we branch out? How have you approached that that launch? I know you, uh, you know, from I haven't been there, but media stuff like you've just sort of reached out. Is there any strategies you use to make that happen? Well, basically, because our school has been so healthy and has such momentum, before I came, there'd been a lot of study into prospective school campuses. So there were very few schools actually thinking of going multi-site. There's only a handful in Australia that have that mentality. 
but our school is one of those. So basically, wherever our school goes, eventually we will have a church campus. And so that's basically what we're, you know, where we're tracking with all of that. So, so in terms of where do I decide to plant, with these plants, um, the work has been done, I think. You know, if the school wants to go somewhere, then we'll go there as well, eventually, you know. And so that just seems to, you know, so that makes it pretty easy. And then in terms of other church plants for our church, when I took over the church, it was actually in quite a lot of financial disrepair. So it's quite expensive to do church planting. So I, you know, it's it's a lot simpler for me to do that with the school. But but probably what I would do eventually as far as church planting goes is that um, as an overflow, so if we've got church campuses that are busting at the seams, we need more room. We've got people coming. We've got a bunch of people coming from 10 kilometres away. Uh, we might pop up, you know, a church in that area to service them and that sort of thing. So, um, so yeah, but I'm pretty committed to, you know, you know, doing campuses with our schools and then seeing what rolls out after that. Yeah, that's awesome. And that having that school in place brings the resources already. So you've got a hall, you've got somewhere to meet, you've got um, things in place that can make it almost instant yeah exactly exactly and also you know you've got you know the community comes to us so the majority of people that come to the school initially are unchurched people and so they would be the people that we would look at connecting with so there are people from other churches that come and we embrace the fact that they're part of another church that's awesome and uh, we don't try and proselytize or anything like that but, but there are you know an abundance of unchurched people and so that would be the ones we would look at connecting with yeah if a church is looking at building a school or uh, branching out in, and marrying up their their thing with a school somewhere would you recommend that would you recommend that they go down that path <clears throat> um i think starting schools from scratch now it's getting really prohibitive you've pretty well got to have everything in place before you actually get accredited so you actually need everything there the investment would be up to about 10 million bucks. Wow. Before you get approved. So now I know there are some looking at doing that and, you know, and I hope it goes well. Um, But it is easier that once you've got one to actually start others because now the the bar is a lot higher in order to start a school. Yeah, no, I can understand that. So that investment, though, to to start that, does it reap the benefits immediately, like not cash flow or anything like that? Because most things like that will take time. But is there, a, if they did launch into, it, is there an instant, you know, reward or instant return on investment for that? Uh, it wouldn't be an instant return, but long term, there certainly would be. You know, a well-run school is quite profitable, and the the thing about schools as well is that society needs so many, and it's actually cheaper for the government. For private schools to operate because the amount of so the, the they can the government can subsidize it but it's nowhere near the cost that it would take for the government to do a state school yeah. and so i think there'll always be that opportunity for private schools because it actually is more cost effective for society so there's that you know there's that element to it but there's no doubt that eventually if it goes well there's a payoff now History is littered of schools that have fallen over as well. 
It also comes down to where you do your school, also to building your brand, and that comes down to the experience that people have there. With Christian schools, one of the areas that we probably need to guard is that uh, probably traditionally Christian schools were known for Christian values but not as much for quality services and quality education. I know that's a broad sweeping statement, but, but really the key is that for a Christian school to go do well, you need to offer a really strong uh, quality education. So I know with our school, our school's quite proud with the fact that our NAPLAN results are significantly better than the national average and that sort of thing. And that, that in itself is something that attracts people. And then even your amenities and the environment you provide as well needs to be, still needs to be of a certain standard. So uh, especially if people are going to go into private school and they're going to pay for an education, you know, they expect a bit of bang for their buck as well. Yeah, that was my thought. It was like, I know that Christian schools are not competing on the state school level, but they're competing with the private schools, which charge more, but their parents may not go, oh, we can't afford the private school, but the Christian school is good. But that, like you said, that service, it has to be there. Yeah, exactly. So you've got to, you know, you've got to provide the quality as well. Yeah. Branding-wise, you, you, you mentioned that quickly. Do you, is that something you focus on as a, as a senior pastor, as a board, as a, as a church leadership? Do you focus on that at all? Um, I think intuitively, um, it can be a bit of a dirty word in Christian circles. Yeah. It can sound a bit secular, but the reality is everyone has a brand. So every organisation has a brand, and your brand is what the external perception of your church is. So you can say you don't have a brand, but you do. It's what other people think about it. And one of the things I observed when I came was that in some ways our brand as a church had been considered somewhat, you know, not super attractive or considered a little bit, you know, left field and that sort of thing. And so, and especially in the areas which we were trying to reach out in. So I've spent two years trying to change the perception of our church externally Part of that involved a rebrand with logos and that sort of thing, and but that was all to do with changing the external perception of our church. And now I feel like we've done a reasonable job at that. So, so now what I want to do is um, improve our internal processes of our church now. So, yeah. Okay, and that rebranding and that changing that perception comes back down to values. Would, yeah, you, would you get would you get that link or not? Yeah, I think so. And so, you know, like I spent the first two years taking every opportunity to speak at anything I could, you know, and by doing that, people would perceive that there's been changes at the church I've taken over. So, um, so I did that strategically. Even little things like, you know, our as I said, our, our school has 450 staff. I would twice a term at each campus go and do a 10-minute devotion. Uh, but the reason I was doing that was basically to communicate to the whole of the Gold Coast that there's been change uh, because, as I said to you, most of our staff are at other churches. So then I started hearing from other pastors and other churches. They say, oh, I hear Kings is doing well. And the reason why they were hearing that was because of the people that were working at our school telling them. So yeah. 
Yeah, so just little things like that to change that external perception um, yep. because we had, I'd even, we'd even found out that there were some people wanting to check out our church that had been dissuaded by others because of what they'd heard about us. So that external perception was the thing that I really wanted to change. Oh, that's awesome. Mate, we're just about out of time. I really thank you. If people want to reach out, uh, listening and want to reach out to you, where's the best place to get in contact with you? Uh, well, you can get onto our social media, uh, Kings Church, uh, Gold Coast. Uh, also, kings.org.au you can, is our website. Uh, and you can all, there's also links to our email addresses there and that sort of thing. And, and I'm also personally on Facebook and um, on Instagram and, and that sort of thing. So Kings Church, uh, Gold Coast, but also too, the uh, Kings Church, Pimpermar, Kings Church, uh, Logan Village, uh, they'll be able to find out where we are and come and check us out. Mate, that's awesome. Thank you so much for your time today. I really do appreciate it. Thanks, Matt. Bless you. Mm-hmm.